they can see the role that Facebook has helped in the path to purchase as well as device. Right. Google Analytics will reveal that. How does it do that? Because they know everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. Hi, I'm Keaton Shaw, and my website is Keaton.com, and you're listening to Ash Roy on Productive Insights. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. I'm Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, and this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started today. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Productive Insights podcast. It's my honor to introduce a very special guest to you today. To borrow a term from Tim Ferriss, she's one of my favorite humans, and she's a pay-per-click advertising expert. In this two-part series, my guest and I talk about some of the key differences between Facebook and Google advertising and the advantages and disadvantages of each. I mention a lot of related episodes in our conversation, the numbers of which I would like to mention now so you can go back and check them out when you have some time. I will also include links to these related episodes in the show notes. So some of the related episodes are 105 and 106 with Annie Cushing, the founder of Analytics, where we talk about measurement and tracking, which is very relevant to our conversation today. Episodes 15 and 82 with Mike Rhodes, where we talk about Google AdWords and the Google Display Network. Episode 126 with Rand Fishkin, where we have a great conversation about search, and that's very relevant to our conversation today. Episode 21 with Keith Krantz, where we talk about Facebook advertising in particular. We mention episode 55 with Ezra Firestone in this conversation as well, which I think you'll find relevant. And episode number 84, where I talk about the PEST framework, which stands for Political, Economic, Social and Technological. And that's a framework I allude to in this conversation as well. Now, this is the first of a two-part series. I hope you enjoy it and be sure to watch out for part two of this two-part series coming soon to a pair of headphones or speakers near you. There is also a video recording of this conversation that I intend to edit and put up on our YouTube channel at some point. So keep a lookout for that as well. The way to access the Productive Insights YouTube channel, which already has a bunch of useful videos, is via the URL youtube.com forward slash Productive Insights. Now, I hope you enjoy this first part of this two-part series. Here's our very special guest. Enjoy. Today's guest is the founder and director of Green Arrow Digital. She's a former data analyst turned pay-per-click advertising expert. After having had a successful career in some of the world's leading global financial institutions, she chose to switch careers when she finally gave into her passion for PPC, IT and entrepreneurship. She is truly passionate about working closely with her clients and helping them achieve their business goals by helping them grow their businesses online. She lives in Sydney with her husband and three children. Today, I'm delighted to welcome one of my favorite humans from Green Arrow Digital, Ilana Wexler. Welcome, Ilana. Thank you, Ash. Thanks so much for having me on the show. 
I'm super excited to be here. You're welcome. Super excited to have you. So just by way of background for our listeners, Alana is a close friend of mine and I really value her advice and her expertise and I'm delighted that she's agreed to be on the show. So thank you very much, Alana, for being on. And I just want to also mention that Alana and I have similar backgrounds in that we both worked in finance once upon a time and we both came to our senses. So... (laughs) Yolana used to work in finance as well in the the banking sector, which is where I also work. So we both have a background in data analytics and that sort of stuff. So hopefully this is going to make for quite an interesting conversation and hopefully we won't get too technical on you. Okay, so Alana, let's start by talking about pay-per-click advertising, which is what we're here to talk about today, and why you think pay-per-click advertising is so important for business growth. Oh, look, I mean, it's, I really feel it's the way of the future. For many business owners, they're faced with many different decisions on where to spend their marketing dollars to advertise themselves. And the traditional form of, let's say, putting an ad in a local paper is, is such a flawed model because it's not very targeted. It's only targeted by the circulation of that particular newspaper. But with, on the digital side, the pay-per-click side, you know, you can really hone in on your target person. And as pay-per-click suggests, you only pay for the click. Mm-hmm. So it's really next level marketing. Plus also the tracking. Once someone actually does click on your ad, you do know exactly what they've done. Have they done what you wanted them to do? And therefore, working out your return on investment is a relatively easy calculation. Yeah, that's absolutely key, isn't it? With newspaper advertising, which if anyone listening can actually remember what that was, you could not pretty much track any of your advertising. You couldn't track your return on investment. There was absolutely minimal capability of tracking. I mean, sure, you could ask people when they called you up, where did you find out about us from? But that was like caveman days or cave person days. Today, tracking is absolutely spontaneous and you can track things down to a click, you can track things down to a mouse move, you can figure out which link they clicked on. So if you're not using pay-per-click advertising, you've got to be a bit insane. Because to me, two of the most important metrics, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ilana, but to me, two of the most important metrics when it comes to getting clear on advertising and building good ROI is understanding your average customer lifetime profit. I know they normally talk about customer lifetime value, but I think profit is more important than revenue. And then understanding your cost per customer acquisition. And if you can get clear on those two numbers, and if your cost per customer acquisition is less than your cost per customer profit, you're in a pretty good position. Would you agree? Absolutely. That's right. That's what it comes down to. How much are you willing to to pay to acquire that lead in a profitable manner? And if you can pay for that person online, you can grow so much faster and so much bigger. Because you know your numbers. It's a money in, money out kind of thing. It's not losing money. So you can grow your business significantly quicker than other traditional methods. So let's make this a bit more tangible for our listeners. Let's say I make $500 profit per customer I acquire. So a customer pays me, say, $1,000 for my services. It costs me $500 to provide those services. I make $500 in profit. So great. I know that a customer makes $500 profit with me. Now, Let's say for every click a customer makes on my PPC advertising, my pay-per-click advertising, each click costs me, say, $5. And my average conversion rate is 1 in 10. So every 10 clicks, in other words, every $50, I end up with a customer. So now the situation is I'm paying $50 to get a customer from whom I'm making $500 profit. Would you agree then that that is a formula for success? 
I would add a time factor to it. In that's that, what I was getting at. <laughs> that's right. Because obviously it's how long till you make that profit versus like, is, is there a lag? So generally I say to my clients, let's work out like your 30-day customer value. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that allows lag time because obviously the PPC side is quite instant. So you're getting these leads, but the fulfillment aspect might have a delay. So if we work out the averages on a, on a sort of a lagging 30-day basis, that can account for, yeah, like, you know, checkout processes and, or whatever, or service delivery times, etc. So are you thinking mainly from a cash flow standpoint or are you... How right. else would the lag affect a business? Let's say a business is doing the pay-per-click and the known lag time is one month, for argument's sake. Then as long as they keep on getting leads in one end, can they infinitely continue making that $450 every time they get a customer? Well, I mean, I guess so, but it depends on for each customer, what is the fulfillment time before you make that profit? Gotcha. So to fulfill the service that you provide, okay. Service or product or whatever it is. Right. What about things like banner blindness or the equivalent of that in terms of advertising? You know, after a certain amount of time, your ad gets tired, as it were. People get sick of your ad and they stop clicking on it. So is that something they should be considering as well? Absolutely. Banner blindness is a thing. And there are, of course, ways to get around that. So you can change your ads based on time since last visit and you can keep rotating your ads. And I I urge everyone to rotate your ads rather than show the same ad over and over again because it's also about relevance as well. Right. Someone who has seen your banner or been to your website long ago is in a different frame of mind to someone who's come just yesterday. So perhaps the most recent people see different banners to the people who have not been to your website for a while. Okay, so that's great. That's given our listeners a bit of an overview on pay-per-click advertising. And I've probably gone a little bit further than I initially intended because I get very excited about these numbers. But (laughs) what I wanted to talk about next and bring things back a step, I guess, is let's compare and contrast Facebook advertising with Google advertising because you're an expert in both areas. And this is an area that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. So I interviewed Mike Rhodes in episode 82 and we talked mainly about the Google Display Network. And I think earlier on I interviewed him as well and we talked about Google advertising. I've spoken to Darren Rouse in episode 73 about Facebook Live. I've talked about Facebook advertising with uh, Keith Krantz in episode 21, but I haven't actually talked about the comparison and contrast between the two. So would you like to share some thoughts on how you see the two as being different? And before you do, I just want to say there's one thing that I understand as a real pleb in the space is Facebook advertising is different to Google in that when a person goes to Facebook, they go to the hangout. They go there just to hang out with their friends. So the intent is not necessarily to purchase and therefore your advertising is by definition interruption-based as opposed to which if you go to Google, you're usually going there to solve a problem and so you're more likely to be there to purchase and therefore the intent with which your audience goes to Google is less interruption-based and more solution-focused and therefore more likely to convert. But Google is, until recently, a lot more expensive than Facebook. So that's my very superficial understanding of the difference between the two. Could you fill in the blanks for us? Yeah, sure. Look, I'm a believer in taking this at a holistic level. Like, mm-hmm. So rather than like looking at Google in isolation as its own silo and then Facebook as a silo, they really work in harmony together. And I think that's when you think of it, and I someone once used the analogy of like a symphony. I don't know. I don't remember who it was. but And I think it's really a really good analogy where 
the combination of the instruments working together produces a wonderful sound rather than the instruments just in isolation. So yes, the platforms are completely different. Facebook, as you say, is a social platform. I kind of view it as going to the pub at night with a bunch <laughs> of friends. Yeah. And you've got people coming up to you trying to put stuff in your face to sell you stuff straight off the bat. They don't know you. That's not a good way to do it. But it is, it's, it's a social gathering. It's a place of chatter and conversation and developing relationships. And Google is obviously different. Like you obviously touched on the intent aspect. And that is just one part of Google. That's just the mm-hmm. search aspect of Google. But Google is vast. Mm-hmm. As you said in that other episode with Mike Rhodes, he touched on the Google Display Network. Yes. Well, that's similar to Facebook in that it is also interruption marketing. Someone's reading an article, let's say on the New York Times or the Sydney Morning Herald, and they see a banner on there. So they're they're reading the news article and they still see a banner. So they're still interrupting them from what they're doing. Right. As well as YouTube. Someone goes to YouTube either to for some educational videos or watch cat videos, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also interruption marketing. But what I find these days, and I think the landscape has really changed in the last few years, it is multi-touch point. It's multi-device. It is multi-touch point. Someone might see, if, and, I, and I know this as a user, I, I might see a Facebook ad, may or may not click on it, looks interesting to me, and then I'll Google search it. Right. Know? That's interesting. That's what I do. And I know because I run ads myself, obviously, for many clients as well as my own business, that's what people do. Right. So, That's why they work in unison together to make sure that your Google ads are in line and in step with your Facebook ads. And that's really where you take it next level. So let me ask you this. Why would you see an ad on Facebook and then go and look for it on Google rather than just click on the ad in Facebook? Look, I may or may not click on the ad on Facebook. Often I don't because I'm there for a reason, perhaps to, to, to respond to some comments. Um, I, I'm in and out pretty quickly on Facebook. I don't spend a lot of time on there. Mm. So I may see it, oh, that looks interesting, but you're distracting me from what I'm doing. Right. But I'm still interested in it. Comes back to intent, right? You came to Facebook to hang out. You didn't come to Facebook to solve a problem. So you're not That's in right. problem-solving mode. You're in hangout mode. And then later on when you decide, okay, oh, I saw that ad on that thing about whatever shoes so now you're on google you're there to solve a problem you're in now search mode or problem solving mode so then you search it what we're saying then is facebook ads to some degree are like the google display network insofar as they help you with your branding and promote your presence sort of cost per impression Yeah. And it's funny because I'm a big lover of Google Analytics and you can actually see in, I think the big mistake business owners make is that in their Google Analytics, they'll look at their traffic sources and look at the traffic sources in isolation. And they might look at the Facebook component and think, no, Facebook's not working for me. It's not driving any sales. But then if they actually delve a little bit deeper in their analytics and they look at the multi-channel attribution, Mm -hmm. they can see the role that Facebook has helped in the path to purchase. As well as device. Right. Google Analytics will reveal that. How does it do that? Because they know everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. Obviously, it's only if someone has clicked on the Facebook ad to go to your website. They know that. Well, it's different if it's it's only been an impression. Mm -hmm. But my behavior is different to most people. I'd say most people probably would click on the Facebook ad, may or may not convert, but then would do the Google search, in which case it would show up in that multi-channel attribution. Wow. Okay, that's pretty awesome. I think it's just important, though, to acknowledge the presence of that rather than to be overwhelmed with the data aspect of it, to know that that's how it happens now. Mm. It is 
multi-channel and multi-device and therefore you've got to step back and look at that big picture and say, are my ads playing in harmony together? Mm. You know, in one of my earlier episodes, it was just a short one. I talked about the PEST framework, which is a, one of the frameworks I studied in my MBA of looking at an industry. So you look at it from a political, economic, social and technological standpoint, and each of these various things affect each other. Now, what I'm seeing and hearing from this conversation is the technology has evolved to a point in terms of that PEST framework where we're getting hit with multiple stimuli from different angles. And so we've gone from a single source of truth to build mm. trust to multiple touch points to build trust. So our society, our social programming or social expectations have now evolved to expect to be approached from at least two or three different platforms before we say, I trust this brand. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And there have been numerous studies on this. Google, I think, is, is one of the, the people who have done a lot of market research into this, that there are many touch points. And I think the classic mistake that people make is they use PPC just for lead generation and then their email marketing kicks in and they stop all ads for their existing people. Right. But in actual fact, that's even more of a reason to keep going with your ads in unison with your email marketing because that's just another noise component that people open rates aren't fantastic at the moment because everyone's bombarded with emails for promotions so once again it's that harmony as well that using ppc in conjunction with your email marketing okay so you're saying you have clients who do ppc advertising they get results the email marketing starts to take off and they turn off their ppc advertising you're saying that's a mistake so that's a mistake the important thing then you're saying is continue your ppc advertising because what it builds the momentum and further compounds the benefit of email marketing Abs yeah well ex exactly that in that open rates aren't that great and it's continuing with the symphony example is that email marketing is just another instrument in the symphony Mm. It's not a reason to turn off the PVC because someone might see the email, life gets in the way, they might have kids in the background who ask them a question, they forget about the email, but then they, they'll see it in their Facebook, oh, that's right, it's not that I didn't want this product or, or promotion or whatever when, when I saw it in the email, but it's ending today, here's, here's what I have to I have to do it now. Right, I see, okay. It's quite common these days to hear people say that their open rates in their emails are dropping. Has this been your experience? Look, it's different for different industries. It depends on the quality of the emails, I would say, and the, and the relationship that people like. Yes and no. Yes and no. But, I, you know, with many people use Gmail, a lot of um, emails go to the promotions tab. Not everyone checks the promotions tab. So, therefore, there can be an assumption that people aren't interested in your product when they may have just not actually seen it. Sure. Okay. So, I really like what you've said about the holistic approach to marketing, particularly from that multi-touchpoint perspective. I think we all need to start rethinking pay-per-click advertising as a multifactorial or multifocal approach rather than Facebook advertising or Google advertising. That said, Facebook advertising, as I understand, is very, very targeted or can be, whereas Google advertising, not as much. Is that correct? Oh, it depends. I like to think of it as Facebook is more about who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. Obviously, where am I located? What what are my age? What gender am I? What interests do I have? What other Facebook pages do I like? What books do I like to read? So it's about the attributes of my likes and dislikes as a person. And then, obviously, people showing me ads based on my interests and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
if I have kids, what age my kids are, the income level, like to that level, you can actually target people on Facebook. Google is more about where I hang out online, what I'm searching for, what I'm interested in, but also what websites do I like to read? You know, where, where I go online? Is it based on my behavior? Am I looking for certain things? Am I reading certain pages? Am I interested in specific content? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, so Google's about where I go online versus Facebook's about who I am as a person. Google have some information about me as a person, but I would say the numbers are quite rough. They, they're very much guessing. Okay. As opposed to Facebook, which has first-party data. People enter in a whole bunch of stuff. They, they even enter what high school they went to and what university mm. they went to. That's right. They're not guessing. And also they buy a lot of data as well. Now, given that ultimately any transaction, at least till today, happens between one human and another human, we haven't gone into the bionic being or whatever the phrase is. We, we are still completely human. We're not semi-robots yet. So would you then say that Facebook advertising has more cut through than Google advertising because Google is, is less personal based on what you just said? Oh, they're so different. I mean, it, it's... The targeting on Facebook is insane. Like it really is. Yeah. It's second to none. But it's a different kind of marketing. It's like the Friday night drinks kind of at the pub example. You know, like imagine that setting. You go out with your workmates to the pub at the end of the week for Friday night drinks and someone tries to sell you someone who doesn't know you there. You'd be like, what are you doing here, mate? Yeah. You know, like or someone starts drinking your beer and eating your food <laughs> who, who's uninvited. You know, you'd be a bit like. I love the analogy. Yeah, like. What are you doing here? Versus someone who walks up to you, introduces yourself, hey, how are you going? Can I buy you a drink? Mm -hmm. You know, that that's the setting on Facebook. So yes, it's second to none in that you can identify who's your target person, but the way you go about marketing to them on Facebook is completely different to Google. Another massive difference, which I think Facebook is is superior to Google, well not superior, just I guess it is superior for this aspect, is the shareability and that mm. People will share ads on Facebook. You can't share a Google ad. Like, right. you know, and if you write your ad such that it doesn't feel like an ad or it is helpful to someone or if I, if I see an ad that I know is helpful to my friend, I will tag my friend in that ad or share it with, with my, my tribe who, who are my friends. Mm. If it's propositioned in such a way that it's helpful and, and it's relevant and it would, would help my friend. Hmm. And you can't do that with a Google ad. And that's where your Facebook ads can get to the next level. See, this is where I think Facebook has tapped in on something that Google appears not to have done successfully so far. And that is the tribe aspect of us as humans. I mean, it is at the absolute core of our, of our evolution, right? As humans, we've survived yes. because we, grew, we evolved as tribes. And the idea of referral of anything from one tribe member to another is so powerful so and Facebook has sort of tapped in on that. I think this is a good opportunity to start talking about things like remarketing as well. Facebook has a platform of about 1.5 billion people, whereas... I think they're up to two now. They're up to two. Well, there you go. Whereas Google is significantly less. I don't know how much. Google's reach is, is far and wide. So Facebook have openly said that they've got, I think, just shy of two billion people, active users, active being defined as logged in in the last 30 days. Wow. And of those people, they spend, on average spend one hour on their platform, which is amazing. 
you know. So as a marketer, that's an amazing opportunity. And I believe they have quite a few data points on each of us as well. Oh, I don't know if it's a million. It's in the few thousand. They're not so open about that. But so many business owners ask me, oh, you know, I'm in B2B. Facebook's not my platform, you know. And I would say, sure, like, you know, I don't go to Facebook to buy brake pads, you know, Mm. but I'll go to Google for that. But would I be interested in reading an article about the warning signs that my car might need brake pads because it's going to impact my family and reading an article about that? Sure. I'd be interested in reading that on Facebook. And then I'm going to Google search, where do I, where do I get some new brake pads? That's beautifully explained. That's such a great example of how the whole thing works. Yeah. So that's my, usually my response to the B2B question. And and that's why it's a different advertising platform because it is social and, and touching on what you said before in that really tapping into the the need for social proof if i see an ad which has a ton of shares and likes and and really positive comments that's going to pike my interest more than if there was no social proof attached to it because i'm going to look at that and i'm going to say wow well this is of interest to people like not everyone could be this this can't all be fake would be right. is going through my head right right yeah it's that same endorsement of the tribe thing again Okay, I've got a question for you. In episode 55, I spoke to Ezra Firestone about e-commerce and he talked quite a bit about how he used Facebook advertising to absolutely catapult his business. Would Google advertising have worked as effectively? I think it comes down to the shareability. And I would say that for Ezra, you know, it's, it will, for anyone really, it's, I think about who can you, laser focus on your target customer. Right. You can absolutely grow your business significantly with Google, sure. But if they don't self-identify themselves based on what they type in, you can target them on the Google Display Network, but it's not as accurate as it is on Facebook. Plus, as I said, the share of like Ezra's been able to catapult his business through probably really good video ads. I know he's yes. a big video ad guy. And if people share a video, and that's really engaging for, for, for people. So, yes, you can do YouTube ads, but it's not the same as video on Facebook. Mm. It's interesting. This conversation has made me, I feel like, made me sound like I'm really pro-Facebook. And I'm not, actually. <laughs> like, well, I am, but I'm, I'm really pro-both. But it's, yeah, like Facebook ads are an amazing opportunity for many businesses. But, but equally, I feel a lot of people forget about the power of Google. I feel like Facebook's like a real flavor of the yeah. of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're forgetting about the tried and tested Google where Google search, I mean, as you as you touched on in the beginning, like there's intent there. You've eliminated that variable of does someone want this? They've just typed it into Google. You're yeah. sliding your business card under the nose at the very point that they're looking for it. Relevance. Relevance. That's an opportunity that is second to none. Like it is second to none. So I've got to put my hand up here and say that I'm a little bit guilty here because I've kind of biased you towards, biased the conversation towards Facebook ads because I've been asking only Facebook-based questions. So let's take it a bit more towards Google then. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that first part of this two-part series where we talked about mainly Facebook advertising and touched on some differences between Facebook advertising and Google ads. In the second part of this conversation, we dive in a bit deeper into Google advertising and we talk about the concept of holistic advertising in a bit more detail. We also talk about how advertising goes hand in hand with content marketing, the importance of installing a remarketing pixel on your website, and then we wrap the whole thing up in a nice neat little bow 
where we look at the action steps and we cover the key points discussed in both the parts and how you can implement those insights in your business. So we'll cover that in part two. This first part that you're listening to right now is available at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 129, where you can also grab a PDF copy of the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 